Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by veteran sports broadcaster and entrepreneur, Jen Mueller. Jen talks about not trying to circumvent experience, finding your voice, and the importance of remembering that your first job probably won't be your dream job. She also talks about the genesis of Talk Sporty to Me and gives invaluable tips for preparation and time blocking. This episode is super fun and super informative. So make sure to subscribe, listen, rate, and review. Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. I have been really looking forward to this. This is going to be a fun conversation. I'm so glad I can be here. Well, me too. So we will jump right in. We'll start out by saying that we're able to get along, although I cover the 49ers and you, of course, are Seahawks sideline reporter, but... You know, we can put our differences aside. I'm yeah. a Dodgers fan and I have friends who are Giants fans. So we can all get along when need be. As long as we don't talk to each other the the week before the game, I think we're probably good. Yeah. I think we're good, too. I actually, little funny, fun fact story, have a, a close friend. My mom's from Seattle and a close family friend. And every year we do a bet on the Seahawks game and the loser has to buy the other one a Starbucks card. So I have won one time in the history of this bet. So hoping for a better season, but we get through so you and I can get through. Yes. So with that in mind, I would love for you to start by taking us through your professional journey. You are doing so many incredible things and I want our listeners to hear all of it. Well, (laughs) I would say, so here's where I've ended up. I am currently on the television broadcast for the Seattle Mariners. I'm the sideline radio reporter for the Seahawks. I also run my own company called Talk Sporty to Me. So I do corporate training and presentations, and it really centers around business communication, how to be more effective, and how to use sports more effectively. Now, let me back up and say this. My career path is um, non-traditional. We'll just say that. And you never could have planned this out. And certainly it's not the way that I would have planned it out. I started behind the scenes. I was a producer for the first seven years of my career. Producer is the person who decides what goes in a show. We write the script. Um, you will never be seen on camera as the producer. But I knew that I wanted a chance to be on camera And I worked my way into some opportunities without ever leaving the Seattle area, which is kind of the twist to this. You would normally go to a smaller market. You would Mm -hmm. go to a couple of smaller markets and gain the experience you needed and end up at a larger market like Seattle. I took, like I said, the unconventional, non-traditional way to get to where I am. Um, But I would not trade any of those experiences because they have all helped me when I go to do my job every day. Well, I, I want our listeners to really take that in because I think, especially starting out in your career, we can all be very laser focused. This is what I want to do. This is how I have to get there. And, and that's it. But it's important to know that there are a lot of ways to get there. And sometimes it's important to take a chance on the non-traditional path. Totally. And what you're really looking to do is put yourself in a situation where you will be around people who can see you do good work on a consistent basis, right? So Mm -hmm. as a producer, I was getting FaceTime with all the people who could ultimately hire me or put me into a new job. 
And they got a chance to see me do good work on a consistent basis. That foot in the door, just being able to get a media credential was Mm -hmm. huge because I didn't just interview for a job with the Seahawks. I positioned myself for six years. I showed up everywhere they looked for six years because I already had the credential as a member of the media, which you couldn't do if you had gone to work someplace else, right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, you put yourself in position to be seen and recognize that what you start with is not going to be your dream job, but you've got to keep it open so that Mm -hmm. you can figure out the easiest path to get there. So when did you transition to in front of the camera and, and what was that first experience like? So I was fortunate. The station that I worked with was the NBC affiliate in town. So I was a sports producer. I worked nights and I worked weekends and we had a cable affiliate that was associated with the NBC station. It was in the same building and they did a nightly sports show. It was 30 minutes. I had previously produced that show and I said, Hey, you know what? I'd like the opportunity to be be on air. So every night after people went home at 1130, that's when our newscast ended, Mm -hmm. I would stay and I would work until about two or three o'clock in the morning because it was quiet. I had access to all the material, all the footage that we had gathered during the course of the day. And I would put together my own stories and I would spend time in the voiceover booth trying to figure out how to do this. My boss and mentor would come in the next day. He would give me feedback and critiques and I would do this over and over again. I got to the point where I said, do you think you would allow me to be on TV once a week for about 60 seconds on this cable sports show? Just give me one shot a week. And he said, yeah, I think you're to the point where we can do that. So I would show up and I would do 60 seconds once a week. Then it came time for New Year's and Christmas. And everybody wanted New Year's and Christmas off. And I said, you know what? I'll take New Year's and Christmas. Why don't you let me anchor that show? There's really no harm in this, right? Everybody gets their Mm -hmm. day off. And if I completely fall flat on my face, nobody's watching anyway because it's New Year's and Christmas, right? So let me just do this. And so I just kept pushing. And I think here's the other part of this. When you find the job that gets the foot in the door, you have Mm -hmm. to know what your ultimate goal is because it is up to you to keep pushing to find those opportunities for Mm -hmm. as much as a mentor or a sponsor or an advocate can look out for you. You will always be more invested in your career than anybody else. So Mm -hmm. find that and just keep pushing. Even if it takes you staying for four hours after everybody goes home to get Mm -hmm. the experience, you need to do that. I think that's excellent advice and an important thing to remember. Cause also I hear people say, well, I mean, they said they're hiring and I sent my stuff in and we had a call and I haven't heard anything, but you've got to be your own best advocate. There is a fine line between persistent and annoying, but you have to be your own best advocate in this business and in all businesses. Well, and can I give you one easy way to be your best advocate on that one? Yes, please. Come up with a one sentence response every time somebody asks, how are you? Your answer should not be good or fine. Your answer should be, I'm great. I'm excited that training camp starts next year. And I've been doing a ton of research that's finally going to pay off. Or I'm awesome because I got a chance to go cover the Seattle Mariners series in Denver, right? It's one sentence. Mm -hmm. That's it. 
But what you're going to do is stay on somebody's radar and you do this. And it's like a, it's like a drip campaign, right? If you were sending out emails to people, you're warming up the space so that when you come back around and say, look, you've got this job opening that I'd really like to talk to you about. It's not coming out of left field because they've heard you talk about what you are doing to prepare for that in a very casual way for a long time. That is such good advice. That is that's some of the best advice I've ever heard because most of us do say, I'm good, how are you? And that's, but that is fantastic advice. If you guys take nothing else away from this, do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that next week. I'm going to yeah. people ask, how am I? I'm going to, I have, I'm going to do that for sure. Yeah, I, it works with players too. Building relationships in the locker room, it works with players too. And it gives people a way to engage with you. Which is important. Yep. Because ultimately, especially in this business, if you want to be a reporter, you're engaging with the people who are looking and reading and watching your work. Yeah. And that's really the key. I just had this conversation with somebody earlier this week. What you see on TV or what you hear on the radio is a very, very small portion of what I actually do on a daily basis. And most of the conversations that I have, you will never hear. But it's part of the relationship building process so that when I do Mm -hmm. walk up and ask for that interview, I have confidence in knowing they'll say yes and use language Mm -hmm. that I can use on TV or radio. But also... (laughs) They have confidence to know they can trust me in the questions I'm going to ask and how I'm going to position them during that conversation. So as long as you're bringing up relationship building, I think that's an important thing for our listeners, especially, again, those who are starting out in their careers and are trying to figure out how to do that. What other tips do you have? Because it's the most important part of what we do. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of things. One, you have to go up and introduce yourself and understand that it takes time to build relationships. Mm -hmm. And it always starts with hello. So when Seahawks training camp starts or when the season actually gets going, there's going to be transactions that happen during the course of the year. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to force anything the first time I meet a guy. I'm just going to say hello. And then when I actually go to introduce myself, I'm going to tell them why I'm making the introduction. You know, Mm -hmm. I can only walk past you and say hello so many times before I really make the introduction. My name is Jen. I work on the radio broadcast. And at some point, you and I are going to be doing an interview. And that's Mm -hmm. it. And you keep doing it and you keep showing up. And this is the part that people miss. You have to show up and be seen in a space to the point people do not remember it without you. You know that you have built a relationship when you miss practice and they come up to you and say, where were you yesterday? Mm-hmm. You know that you built a relationship when after saying hi to them five consecutive days, they initiate with you first and they say, hey, Jen, how are you? Mm-hmm. So you've got to do that. The other thing is, once you've already got one relationship built in a locker room or in an office place, right? This works everywhere. I call it using the buddy system. You don't have to go this alone. You don't have to start from scratch every time. Bobby Mm -hmm. Wagner is a key part of that Seahawks defense and Seahawks locker room. If somebody sees me talking to Bobby Wagner, I have instant credibility with that newcomer or that rookie because if Bobby is going to talk to me, I'm okay. But what I'm going to do is start a conversation with Bobby and the first person that's closest to him that I don't know, I'm going to loop into the conversation. And it's going to sound like it's super casual and just a total accident that now I'm asking them about 
whether they think water skiing is a real sport or not, or whether they'd like to hike Mount Rainier, right? It's going to sound mm-hmm. like it's accidental. What I'm really doing is setting up an introduction before mm-hmm. I leave that space. But because I already knew Bobby, the newcomer is more likely to talk to me than had I just walked up and done that on my own. It's a hundred percent true. That's also excellent, excellent advice. I love that. That's so good. We do. Uh, I do five fun facts of the 49ers players. And several years ago when uh, Kittle was a rookie, I did, we mixed up and had him interview Trent Taylor and um, Jimmy Garoppolo had just, was just started the team since 2017. And I hadn't done five fun facts with Jimmy yet and we're doing it. And in the middle of the five fun facts, Jimmy like pops in because he's like, well, I haven't answered that question. And it was great because there was the credibility. It was organic. It was. And then later down the road, when I did five fun facts with Jimmy, he like knew what we were doing and it was great. So um, excellent advice. I want to switch gears a little bit. We're going to come back to this, but I want to talk, talk sporty to me. Uh, And I want to just hear how, how that came about, how it's evolved and just kind of go from there. It's such a great one. Thank you. And it was an accident. So I wish that it was my Some of the greatest art. <laughs> I know. It was it was a total accident. It happened back in 2008, 2009. And my aunt had made a recommendation that I go speak to a group of women who worked for KPMG, which is a large accounting firm. And this group of women, half of them were sports fans. The other half mm-hmm. were not. But what they were noticing is their male counterparts were taking potential clients to sporting events. They were treating them as a networking opportunity. Those potential clients became clients. Their male counterparts now had a larger book of business, were making more money, were seen within a higher status in the organization, despite the fact they had the same amount of education, experience, background, all of that. So they were trying to figure out how do we make this useful? And I said, oh, yeah, sure, I can come up with something. And I realized as I was preparing for that one talk and that one group that this is not just something that women need. Men and women need this because Mm -hmm. not all men know sports and not all women are not sports fans, right? Yep. The other part of this is sports fans, for as passionate as they are, for as much as they love to talk about their favorite team and their, their sport and their player, They do a terrible job of leveraging sports conversations to build business relationships. We get really myopic and we get really focused on one thing. And when you start to look at all the different avenues it opens up and all the advantages that sports bring you, you'll have a chance to talk sports more often. So Talk Sporty to me gives people a way to become sports fans for business, which is different than if you were at a tailgate or at a Mm -hmm. sports bar or at an event. The other thing I bring is communication skills that work, right? So Mm -hmm. if you read any book on business communication, it will tell you that it is really important to communicate effectively. Mm -hmm. What it won't tell you is what to say and how to do it. I will actually Mm -hmm. tell you what to say and how to do it. Because as you know, when you are trying to get somebody to talk in a very specific timeline, when you're on deadline and get something Mm -hmm. that the audience connects to, You've got to be able to execute in pressure moments, right? So mm-hmm. that's not just for us. Everybody in business can benefit from being a better communicator 15 seconds at a time. That's fantastic. So could you give an example of how someone can use sports for business? 
Yeah. So um, there's a couple of things. One, if you are trying to stay on the radar of somebody, the sports schedule and calendar gives you built-in opportunities. So if you know the person you're networking with is a 49ers fan, I want you to mark on your calendar right now key dates on that 49ers schedule. What you should Mm -hmm. be looking for is certainly the games against the Seahawks. You should be looking for the bye week. You should be looking for their week one matchup, and you should be looking for the end of the season, whether it's end of the season is playoffs or whether it's week now Mm -hmm. 18, which sounds weird with a 17 game regular season. But what you're looking for are ways to check in without using the subject line. Hey, just checking in or Hey, circling Mm -hmm. back around. It's, what do you think about what Kittle has done, right? What do you mm-hmm. think about how this defense matches up against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks? What's your prediction mm-hmm. for who wins the NFC West, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to respond to that more than I am going to respond to, hey, circling back around, hope you're well. Yep. The other thing sports fans need to realize is that you communicate your personal values and your personal brand every every single time you have a conversation, sports in particular. So the way you talk about an outcome, are you a gracious winner? Are you a sore loser? Right? Those Mm -hmm. come across. Um, Mm -hmm. Your favorite player is not an accident. In Seattle, if you like Marshawn Lynch, I know what personality you appreciate. I know Uh how you see yourself versus if you say that Russell Wilson is your favorite player, right? There is no right or wrong. What I'm looking for is an indication of how to get to know you better. And Mm -hmm. you've just given me a lot of insight on that one. I Mm -hmm. also can figure out what your communication style is. If you focus on numbers, stats, scores, I know that you are data driven and I know that you want numbers. If you tell me about what the environment felt like or the tailgating party or the friends that you went with, now I'm getting an an indication that what you really want when I talk to you now about business is to Mm -hmm. paint the picture of the end result. So all of these little things are going to help me build a relationship that makes it easier to work with you or that makes it easier to connect with you if I'm trying to get a job ultimately with you in the future. This is fantastic. It's it's invaluable. And it's it's stuff that like you're right. When a person's like, well, I watched the game and he on third down, it was this percentage, blah, blah. Or if it was like, what well, was so great, I went with my friends and we had so much fun, and I'm so glad they it's it is very different. And this is just invaluable, invaluable information and advice. Oh, I'm I'm just so excited about this. And I'm I'm taking it in. I mean, I've been doing this a long time and I am taking it in. I'm writing down notes as you can see. And this is awesome, Jen. Thank you. So Thank you. I have well, no. Thank you. Um, so I have I have a question about kind of I don't like the word balance necessarily because I think it's impossible. But prioritization. You are wearing a lot of different hats. You have a lot going on. Training camp starts next week. Well, when this airs, training camp started a week ago. But your um, sports are about to overlap. You're going to have baseball. You're going to have football at the same time, and you're going to have talk sporty to me. You're a writer. You you have a lot going on. So. How do you, on a daily basis, prioritize and so you don't really drive yourself crazy in a way? I do a lot of time blocking. Okay. And I prepare ahead of time. So I am a morning person. And as you know, that's kind of rare in sports, especially if Mm -hmm. I'm covering baseball games that go until 10 or 1030 at night. 
But mm-hmm. becoming a morning person will help you get so much more done during the course of your day because I can control the hours between 6 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. I mm-hmm. know that there's very little chance a sporting event or breaking news is going to interrupt those hours of my day. So the things I have to get done are scheduled for that block of time. I also know that it's most creative. And so if I've got Seahawks work to do, it gets scheduled in a block of time. If I have Mariners work to do, that gets scheduled in its block of time. Writing gets scheduled in its own block of time. And before I shut down for the day, I write it down on the whiteboard before I go to bed. And I know that some people don't do it this way. I actually put time next to it, right? So if I want to work out at 6.30 in the morning, I'll put 6.30 workout. Shower 7.15, writing from 8 o'clock to 9.30. And it just helps me because then when I get up, I don't even have to think about what do I want to do first. I've already prioritized it. It is already right there. And then I can just follow the schedule. And I would also say this, being a sports producer years ago taught me, do not put something off until tomorrow if you can just wrap it up quickly today. So Mm -hmm. if I get to the end of the day and it's like, man, I could just send those two emails tomorrow or I don't, I don't really feel like doing, it's going to take me 30 minutes. I don't really feel like doing this nine times out of 10, I'm going to suck it up and do it because I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And what Mm -hmm. happens tomorrow only compounds what's already on the schedule, right? You know this, if there's breaking news, it doesn't mean that you don't have to do anything else. It means that you cover breaking news on top of what you were already doing, right? It's true, yeah. So I've always, I'm trying, I'm kind of in this rolling mode. If I stay just this much ahead of the schedule, it helps me to go, okay, I've got time to do this today. I'm not stressed. Okay, I got this. So the, I guess the other side of that is when it comes time to shut down, you probably could, you pro- speaking from my own experience, but you probably could be like, well, I could do five other things. I could do this. At what point do you say, all right, I do need to shut down and have some time for me or go to dinner or whatever it is that, you know, kind of gives you a break? I always have Saturday mornings blocked on my schedule. So I know okay. that I have that break coming. And I, okay. that's the time where my husband and I will, will go to the farmer's market or we'll do breakfast. Because mm-hmm. again, I work a lot of nights covering games. So I always have Saturday on the schedule. And that gives me something to look forward to so that I know mm-hmm. I can recharge. I also know, because I've done this for a long time and I know myself, when I start spinning my wheels and I'm trying to write, but it's taken me five minutes to write two sentences, I know that I just need to shut it down and come Mm -hmm. back to it tomorrow because I'll be able to knock it out so much faster when I'm fresh. And I do think for those of us, and I think we're probably the same when it comes Mm -hmm. to wanting to make the most out of our hours and days. Mm -hmm. There are things that you can do to be working, but relaxing at the same time. So reading would be one of those things. So if Mm -hmm. I feel like, man, I, I just, I haven't done enough today, but I can't come up with the thing to write or the questions to ask reading and catching up on industry news or news mm-hmm. around the league or business, you know, conversations that helps me both settle down, but feel like I'm productive at the same time. That's really smart. That makes a lot of sense. I, I like that thought process. And I agree with you. If it takes you if you're looking, you know, it's five minutes, you've written two sentences, because I go through this too. I'm like, you know what? 
I'm going to do this tomorrow, especially if we have like a very late game to cover, like for me. And I also know like my followers. And and so I have, you know, a little flexibility there. But if it's a late game and by the time the game ends and we've done press conferences and interviews and transcribed and I'm like, I, I'm like, you know what? I am better off getting up at 6 a.m. tomorrow, getting this out fresh. It's fresh content. And you kind of have to know that about yourself. You also, of course, there are, there are deadlines and, and all of that. But it's important to know those things about yourself. Absolutely. And it's important to know that just like any project, you don't have to do it in one sitting. So if yes. I'm producing a 30 minute show and I'm looking at it going, man, I don't want to do this today. You know what? I don't have to do the whole thing today. You know what I need mm-hmm. to do is identify the stories that are going in that show and put them in the right order. And if that's my capacity level for the day, right now I've set myself up to succeed tomorrow where I can come in and write. So I think mm-hmm. part of it is identifying what is success. And success mm-hmm. isn't always completing the big project. Mm-hmm. I like that. So in all of your different hats and the things that, that you have been doing, what would you say, this might be kind of a broad question, but what would you say in each of the things is the most rewarding and what is the most challenging? I think it's the same answer for both. And it's Great. <laughs> all about the people. So the mm-hmm. most rewarding thing to me is building the relationship and understanding what that moment means to people. And that moment could be the guy who just hit his first grand slam, the guy Mm -hmm. who threw the perfect game. It could be the guy who made the catch. And I saw him work on that route at practice. And I know how much time he spent after everybody left the field, getting that right. Or it could be understanding what that win meant to the fan or you know, it, it's that moment, right? It, my job, mm-hmm. and this is very evident in the last year. Yes, I like talking about sports and I like talking in general, but it is very unfulfilling if you can't have human interaction with fans and players and coaches. And it has nothing to do with their status as superstars mm-hmm. or as recognizable figures. It has everything to do with how they are as human beings. The flip mm-hmm. side of that is, They're human beings and there's a lot of stuff going on in a locker room and you're trying to navigate all of these different things so that you can build trust so that you Mm -hmm. can have this. And I stress out about that a lot. I do it a lot less now than I did earlier in my career, but understanding that that gets built over time. And if you just keep showing up, that's half of the job, right? Mm -hmm. I want to force it at the beginning and I want to, I want to like sell myself. Like to guys that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm meeting for the first time and give them the list of my credentials and here's who I've talked to and here's what I've done and, and essentially trying to convince them you should talk to me. There mm-hmm. is no amount of convincing. These guys don't care. The only thing they care about is how do you show up and how do you interact with me? And so mm-hmm. it's both sides of that, right? It's challenging to figure that out and to keep showing up some days because some mm-hmm. days you just don't want to. Right? Yes, because we're all human. (laughs) Yeah, the reward is huge on the other side. And I think you brought up an interesting and important point about the athletes in the locker room. They're human. And there's that also reading the room situation and that maybe, maybe you're showing up on a day where they just can't and accepting that, understanding that, trying again the next day. Absolutely. And I would say this goes for anybody in a networking situation, anybody in a group setting. You might have your agenda. I walk into the locker room and I know what I'm trying to accomplish that day. 
but it does me no good to force my agenda on somebody who's just not in that space and recognizing it's not about me. They're, they're mm-hmm. not mad at me. They could have just had a bad practice. They might've just had um, a partner call from home and they've got a, an issue they're trying to deal with across the country and their coach is yelling at them. And, or maybe they're just not feeling it that day and recognizing mm-hmm. nothing good comes out of pestering or forcing my agenda. So if you find yourself in a networking situation and what you really want to do is land that job or get that interview or, or get that phone number or contact information, you're not going to make a good impression if you Mm-mm. keep forcing it when somebody else doesn't want to engage with you in that way. So this transitions to a question that I have um, about you know, women in sports and, and we're trying to create more and more opportunities and of course, trying to support each other as someone who's been doing this, what is a misstep that you're seeing women make when trying to break into the sports industry? I think there's two. One, I think they, I, and I'm speaking from personal experience here. Mm -hmm. I think we try too hard to get taken seriously right off the bat. And it were, mm-hmm. I can be easily offended. I could have been easily offended when people question my ability to do a job early in my career. And then my attitude starts to get a little crappy towards that person. And now I'm defensive and now I'm not warm and I'm not mm-hmm. kind and I'm not really doing my job. And this is kind of where you get into the mental headspace. You, you, you just have to approach it differently. And what I've learned in my time is that I question everybody at the beginning of a job, right? Like don't take mm-hmm. offense to somebody who's trying to figure out if you can do the job because you're going to do the same thing. And it doesn't matter whether right. you're male or female. There's, there is a point where you need to prove that you can do the job and that's not mm-hmm. an insult and that's not disrespect. It's just what happens. So get out of your head on that one and just do the job and understand that there is no way to circumvent experience and you don't want to circumvent experience. Mm -hmm. So if you want to end up in my job, I promise you, you do not want this job as your first job. You might think Mm -hmm. it's awesome and cool, but here's what's not making massive mistakes on live TV and radio. Like that's not fun. And (laughs) so you want to have the experiences that allow you to develop your skill set, to understand what's going on in low leverage situations in smaller mm-hmm. markets so that you can get to here. And you're not going to earn anybody's trust or respect in a week or a month. This mm-hmm. is again, showing up and doing it day after day. 100%. And that is such important advice. Get your reps and earn your trust. And you can't, you know, you, you can't expect that in, in a day or week. And when you're, even if you're in a locker room every day for a week, you're still a new face and people have to learn to trust you. Yeah. And you've got to find your voice. It took mm-hmm. me, it took me at least seven or eight years after being on TV on a daily basis to feel comfortable. And I don't mean the tone of my voice, right? I mean, how do you characterize things? If something mm-hmm. happens, What words are you going to use? Are you comfortable enough with how you're positioned with the team, with the audience, with the players? Because I've got a lot of different entities to think about when I'm doing an interview. 
And it took mm-hmm. a long time before I could feel confident and comfortable characterizing situations the way that I do, asking the question, knowing that I was serving all of those different audiences the way they needed to be served. And I had the credibility and experience behind me. So if you could give our listeners one piece of advice for starting a career in your industry, what would it be? Believe that something great is going to happen tomorrow. Oh, I like and that. when when you do that day after day, you will look back and find that you've had a 20-year career by truly just looking at it one day at a time. This is a tough industry, right? Mm-hmm. But it's hard to be successful in any industry that you choose. So let's just start mm-hmm. there. It doesn't matter if mm-hmm. you want to go into finance or teaching or space exploration or sports, right? It's hard mm-hmm. to be successful. And you are going to encounter a lot of situations where you go, does this matter? Is anybody watching me at 2 a.m. when I'm trying to put together a resume reel? And is this going to pay off? But if you Mm -hmm. just keep thinking something good is going to happen tomorrow, it's easy to push through. I've seen a lot of people exit the industry before it got really, really good. And there's Mm -hmm. any number of reasons for that. But it's going to get really, really good about 10 years in. At least it did for mm-hmm. me and it has for a lot of people that I know. In between there, you're going to have a lot of doubt. Mm-hmm. So believe that something good is going to happen tomorrow and keep showing up with that attitude. What's a criticism? I ask all of our guests this. What is a criticism you received early on that was difficult, but ultimately was very helpful for your career? Well, I was told any number of times that women don't belong in sports and that I didn't know enough about sports to have a career. I might be able to find a job, but I was never going to have a career. I was also told I wasn't pretty enough to be on TV by an executive uh, producer at a TV station. And those were hurtful comments. And I did change my look on TV, right? I understand that the industry that we have chosen to work in is very subjective Mm -hmm. and that when you are a front-facing public figure, Mm -hmm. everything is kind of, I don't want to say fair game for criticism, but it was certainly one of those, okay, well, this is eye-opening. So what Mm -hmm. can we do to make sure that that comment doesn't get repeated in the past or in the future? And, you know, for all the people who said I didn't belong in sports, when I first started out, of course, I didn't know as much as I know now, right? There's a big difference between covering a Seahawks organization for 15 years and being year one, moving from Texas and not understanding the history of the organization. So did Mm -hmm. I know enough then? No, but it certainly motivated me to figure out how to beef up that knowledge base so that I could say that I knew enough and that I was comfortable enough with the information that I had. I like that. And what is, was there any constructive criticism of something that, or was, or something that you were like, you know what, I'm actually not going to listen to this. This is ridiculous. Um, you know, I think early on, I actually got criticism for how I built relationships with people because I do it differently. And Mm -hmm. I do become vulnerable when I when I do that, right? And guys, mm-hmm. the guys that I work with don't have the same approach. Doesn't make okay. it right or wrong, but there was concern that, hey, you shouldn't be friends over there, right? It's like, I'm not being mm-hmm. friends, 
I'm building a relationship and it has to Mm -hmm. happen differently between what you do and what I do. Cause I can't compete with, well, I did this as a football player in high school, right? Right. I, I have to find a different in for that one. So I went my own way on how I build relationships on that one. Um, I think that's probably the best example. And, you know, the, the, the criticisms that I got that are true, you know, take a breath, like mm-hmm. take a breath, slow down, um, and kind of warm up your voice and your face. So like, we, oh, think that that's a good one. we think before you actually do this job, if you were to watch a movie like Anchorman, Right. Like mm-hmm. there's a way that they, that they talk. Well, that's not uh-huh. really the way that we talk. And so right. recognizing, okay, like Jen, just, you don't have to be like Ron Burgundy, like just, <laughs> just talk the way that you talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. One. Those, those are really good ones. How have you seen opportunities uh, change and improve for women or open up for women? And how do you think we can still improve? I think there's a lot of opportunities to be in sports, a lot more now than when I entered the industry. And I think that's great. There's a lot of entry-level positions. And part of that is because we've got digital options now. Teams mm-hmm. hire their own internal communications team. So you can write for an actual team or a college or a conference, and it's going on their website. You could end up being the reporter for the team on their website. And then you mm-hmm. can use that to transition to other jobs. So I see a lot of entry-level jobs that didn't exist. And I do see easier paths to get to something bigger. I think we can improve by understanding, um, A, that sports fans all look different. So let's not look at women and go, well, you couldn't possibly be as much of a sports fan as this guy over here. Don't make me prove mm-hmm. my level of sports fandom to you. That's one. Right. Mm-hmm. Two, recognize the bias that you have in how I present myself versus my male colleagues. So here's an example. People ask me, you know, what bias do you face? And I said, here's the thing that drives me crazy. When I stand at Seahawks practice on the berm, I am dressed appropriately and professionally for how I dress to do sidelines. Probably a polo shirt, um, some shorts or a sport, and tennis shoes. I stand there Mm -hmm. and I watch practice the entire time. There are gentlemen who write for other organizations or who are part of a different media group who will wear flip-flops and who will sit down and extend their legs and watch practice as if they were on a beach. Now, mm-hmm. if I did that, what do you think people would say? So many nice and wonderful things, she said with a lot of sarcasm. Yeah. When they do it, no problem. When I ask a question, so I've actually developed an entire series on asking better questions. And one of the reasons I did it was because I've been called out by major league managers in front of the media for not having my questions be good enough. Meanwhile, my male counterparts can easily start a conversation or an interview with, man, that was a tough game. Tell me about what happened there. When I do that, people go, it'd be nice if you actually asked the question or what part do you want me to tell you about? Right? Those are the little things that drive me crazy. So when we think, now I'm used to this. I've done this for 20 years, right? I know that and I have adjusted and I've accepted it, right? 
And also part of my personal brand is to show up and be professional and to show up and ask good questions. Okay. Mm -hmm. But recognize how often that shows up when you are just watching sports or critiquing questions that get asked in a group setting or watching people and how they do their job. That's a, that's very good advice. And it's good that you point that out because that does happen all the time. Well, before we move into five fun facts, I would love to do a day in the life of Jen Mueller because I want to hear like the time blocking. If you're open to it, if you could share with us and you can pick any day, could be a training camp day, a, baseball day, talk sport, whatever it is, uh, you can pick it. So let's pick a day in September where I know that I'm going to have overlapping sports, right? So this is like the pinnacle of the year. So I'm probably going to get up at 6.15. I will have a cup of coffee quickly. I will go into a workout. I like to be done with my workout by about 7.15, 7.30. I will Mm -hmm. read the sports section while finishing up my coffee. And yes, I do still subscribe to a newspaper. I like the feel of paper. I like sitting at my counter and reading that in the morning. I will then work on whatever top 40 work needs to be done until about 9 o'clock. So that could be writing presentations, doing PowerPoints, writing blogs, uh, prospecting new clients. I'll take a shower. Um, I will go to the Root Sports studio and I will work on Mariners coverage. So Mariners All Access is a show I still produce. I will be writing stories. I will be stacking the show. I'll be working with my editor. That will happen until about 1230. Then I will head to Seahawks training camp, which is about 10 minutes away. I will most likely host um, by September. It'll just be practice. So I would go to practice. Um, attend the media session, whether that's before or after practice. And then I would get to the ballpark for a game at about three o'clock. So if I'm working a Mariners game that night, um, you do pregame interviews, you take care of whatever scripts the producer needs you to do, do pregame show, do the show, do the postgame show. I'm probably home at about 11 or 1130. That is a very long day. Yeah, that's September. So that's, um, and the time might be a little bit off because I think the Seahawks are changing around when they practice and when, but either way, that's generally kind of, it's about two and a half to three hours for each block of time. Mm -hmm. And then if I can find a day where the Seahawks aren't practicing or it's a Mariners day off, then I'll extend those blocks of time to whatever needs it most. So if I need to write for five hours and it starts at six 30 and I'd write for five hours and then move on to the next thing. Fantastic. I love this time blocking and I, and I want you to know that I'm going to take it with me because as our schedules are about to get even crazier, I'm going to take that advice and really do that. So thank you. Cause I like to calendar, but I like this time blocking. So thank you. Thank you for yeah. that, Jen. Well, but this has been absolutely fantastic. I have, I mean, you guys can't see it, but you can see the number of notes I have on this page that are like all over. I I am just so excited to take a lot of what you said and put it into my life. And I'm really excited for our listeners who I know just learned a lot today and have to be leaving this episode super inspired. So thank you so much. Absolutely. But before I, let, before I let you go, we have to do five fun facts. So without further ado, five fun facts with Jen Mueller. What is your favorite moment in sports? Felix Hernandez's perfect game and the Seattle Seahawks winning the Super Bowl. Fair. What is your life motto? 
Every job is the portrait of the person who did it. Autograph your work with excellence. Oh, that is so good. That should be on like a pillow or a something. Uh, that's fantastic. What's your go-to workout? Right now, it's the Legree method. It kicks my butt every time. And if I stop drinking wine, I might have a six pack, but that's not going to happen. So I'm not even holding my breath. I mean, you have a crazy schedule. You need a crazy, you have a, a packed schedule. Wine is important. Yes. What is your go-to coffee order to counteract the wine? <laughs> yeah, uh, dark roast with a splash of cream. Just that drink. is, and a book, and a book every woman should read. You are a badass by Jen Sincero. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jen. This has just been absolutely wonderful. If you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, you're going to listen to this episode multiple times. I know it. Make sure to leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.